All right. How many of you guys made resolutions this year? That's, raise your hand proud. I don't know what happened. I don't know where along the way it got to be kind of lame to make New Year's resolutions. But those of you guys that made resolutions, I want to see your hands. Raise them proud. You don't have to tell anybody what they are, okay? I just want to know if you made them. All right. I'd say maybe a quarter to a third of all of you guys were brave enough to raise your hand. Some of you may have made resolutions. You just don't want to admit that you made some resolutions. Do you know what the top 10 New Year's resolutions are? Do you know what they are? Um, we've got them listed here on the screen. They're blacked out though, because I want to see if you can guess at least the number one New Year's resolution. So I want you to give me some feedback, shout it out loud. I want to know what you think the number one resolution that people in North America make is? What do you think it is? Whoa. All right. About 80% of you guys nailed it. The number one New Year's resolution year in and year out is to lose weight. That's it. That's number one. Some of you may have actually made that resolution. Nothing wrong with that. Good on you for being healthy, trying to get healthier. That's fantastic. That is the number one most common resolution made every single year across North America. Now, we're not going to reveal the top 10 one by one. I'm just going to throw them all up there on the screen. And I want to talk about a couple of them for you, if you don't mind. Okay, so let's show the rest of them. Number two is get organized, which is a wonderful resolution. That's one I need to make, just haven't been able to keep it yet. So get organized. Number three, spend less and save more. Also a really, really good idea. Um, if that's you, if that's where you're at, um, I, I think you should work hard at it. I would encourage you to go back, check out our podcast from November where we talked about money and God's uh, viewpoint on money. It'll go a long way towards helping you, I think, spend less and save more. Number four on the list is enjoy life to the fullest, which is nice, but it's a little nebulous, right? Like how do you actually define enjoy enjoy life to the fullest. I'm not totally sure. Number five is stay fit and healthy. And I like the fact that number four and number five are actually right there next to each other because I feel like those are a little bit in tension. Because for me, if I'm going to enjoy life to the fullest, that involves a lot of cheesecake. And if I'm going to eat a lot of cheesecake and enjoy life to the fullest, then I'm going to have trouble keeping resolution number five. I've said before, like if I had to gain weight for some reason, I can't imagine what it would be, but if I had to gain weight, I would do nothing but eat cheesecake and drink eggnog. That would be it, and I could balloon up and be the happiest man on the planet. So those are four and five. Number six is learn something new. It's wonderful. Number seven, quit smoking. Man, one of the best gifts you could give yourself and your family, quit smoking. Eight is help others accomplish their dreams. Also good. Now, number nine is a strange one to me. I'm going to be real honest with you. Somebody, uh, apparently a fair number of people, make the resolution that in 2017, they are going to fall in love. I'm not sure they understand how falling in love works, you know? Like, I don't know that you can decide that ahead of time. What if you don't meet a great person in 2017? I, I don't know. It seems a little strange that that would be your resolution. And then number 10, last and apparently least on the most common of the top 10 resolutions that people make in North America is to spend more time with their family. Can you believe that? All those other resolutions are before and above spending time with family. Now those 10 resolutions, you may have made one of those. That might have been some of the resolution that you made. 
You might have also made a totally different one that's not on the list. About three quarters of you, uh, from what I can tell this morning, didn't make a resolution at all. And it might be because you look around at your life and you're like, I don't even know where to start, you know? Like I need all 10 of these plus 10 more. I'm not even sure which one to begin with. So I'm not gonna make a resolution at all. That's okay. There are lots of people that are in the same boat as you are. Some of you might know yourself really well. And you might recognize you can make a resolution, but you're not going to keep it. You haven't before, and you probably won't in the future. So what's the point? And if that's where you're at, I want you to know you're also in good company because they did a study. Some, uh, one of the departments of psychology at the University of Scranton in Pennsylvania did a study, and they found out that only 8% of New Year's resolutions were successful. Only 8%. That means if you're in a group with 10 people, none of you were able to keep your resolution. Statistically, none of you were able to do it. That is a very, very low number. So whether you made a resolution and you're great at keeping it, whether you didn't make a resolution or not, it's okay because there are lots of people that are in your shoes this morning staring down 2017. In fact, I think all of this discussion about New Year's resolutions and self-improvement, it highlights a very important fact. It highlights the fact that you and I are not yet the people we want to be. See, a lot of times we like to pretend like we've got it all together. Like our life is exactly how we planned it. And man, I drive a great car and I live in a wonderful house and I married a smoking hot woman and all these different things, right? And we like to pretend like everything is together. But New Year's is one of the few times where we will actually acknowledge publicly that I'm not yet the person that I want to be, that I've got some growing to do, that there is a gap between where I am and where I want to be as a person. And so a New Year's resolution is essentially an acknowledgement that you've still got some growing to do, that you're still in process, that you haven't got it all figured out yet. And so you make your plans, you start making some smarter choices, you start developing some healthier habits, you take a couple Zoloft, whatever it is, and you end up feeling better because you are becoming the person that you always thought you should be. So I think New Year's resolutions are actually a good thing. I think they can be very, very helpful if you approach them with the right attitude. Now, interestingly enough, God actually has a New Year's resolution for you. He really does. You make resolutions for yourself, whether you acknowledge it publicly or not, and God actually has a New Year's resolution for every single one of you. It's the same New Year's resolution that God makes for his people every single year. Every January 1st, there's only one thing on God's top 10 lists for people in our world. There's only one thing. If God could have only one thing true of you and of I, it would be this thing. It is the one thing that God wants for you in 2017. You ready for it? It's found in the book of Romans. Romans chapter number eight, verse 29. We'll put it here on the screen for you. The scripture says, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. So you've got these New Year's resolutions. You want to become a better person. You want to be healthier. You want to be a more positive uh, person in the community. That's all wonderful. It's great. You should do all of those things. But if we were to ask God, God, what is it you want for us 
he would say, I want you to become more like my son. That's what he's chosen for every single one of us. Now you say, but wait a sec, I'm not even a Christian. I don't know what I'm doing here this morning. I just showed up. That's okay. Believe it or not, God's plan, his desire, his resolution for you is the exact same as for me as the pastor of this church. It doesn't matter whether you're young or you're old. It doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman. It doesn't matter. The same resolution, the same desire for God, uh, of God is true for every single one of us. He wants us to become more like his son, Jesus. More and more, as every day goes by, he wants you to become like Jesus. You don't have to become like me, thank God, because some of you guys would not want to be me. You don't have to become like your weird religious Aunt Judy. You know, she's kind of strange with her faith. By the way, if there are any weird religious Aunt Judys here, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were coming. I was just using that as a, as a very random example. Ooh, might get some emails about that. You don't have to become like anybody else in this world except Jesus. That's what God desires for you in 2017. So simple. So profound that if we could become like Christ, we would actually fulfill God's wish, God's desire for us. Now, here's the beautiful thing. If you can understand why this is so important, and if you can understand how this desire of God, this resolution he has for you, if you can understand how it plays out in your life, it will actually help you accomplish all the other resolutions that you might want to accomplish. So maybe you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus, and you're saying, listen, I don't particularly care if I become like Jesus. I, that's not what I'm interested in. I'm interested in getting a six-pack. Okay, that's cool. Nothing wrong with that. If you can understand how God's resolution plays out in your life, it'll help you to accomplish so many of the other goals, so many of the other uh, resolutions that you set for yourself on a daily basis. God's desire for you is that you become more like his son, Jesus, each and every day. Now, if you read through the Bible, there's a big theological churchy word that describes this process. We'll put it here on the screen. Again, you might have heard this if you've been in church before or if you ever decide to blow the dust off the Bible and start reading it. Um, you might come across this word in some verses in the, in, in the scriptures. The word is sanctification. That's what God wants for you. He wants you to become sanctified. And that word sanctified, again, it simply means the lifelong process in which we become more and more like Jesus. It's a five-syllable word. I try to stick to smaller words generally, but you know how preachers are. They develop these big, long words, and so I got to use them. Sanctification, it simply means God wants you to become more like Jesus in 2017. God wants you to start asking the question, how would Jesus respond if he were in my situation? If things were not going his way, how would Jesus react? How would he treat my coworkers? How would he treat my wife? How would he deal with the diagnosis? How would he handle the setback? How would he celebrate the victories in his life? God wants you to ask that question because in asking it, you'll start to become more like Jesus. And that means you will become sanctified. You'll grow in this process of sanctification that God has for you. So sanctification is this lifelong process where we become more and more like Jesus. Now that you know that, 
When you read verses in the Bible, like 1 Thessalonians chapter number 3, where the scripture says, this is the will of God for you, your sanctification. Then you know that word sanctification. It simply means God, God's desire, his plan for you in 2017 is that you become more like Jesus. So simple, so simple, but it's so profound. We're actually going to spend a month talking about it because it's really, really powerful. So here's the thing. A moment ago, I told you that uh, understanding how God's desire, how his resolution for your life, if you understand how that works, then it'll help you accomplish all the other resolutions that you've got for yourself, and it'll help you to become the person that God wants you to be. So let me tell you how that is. If you look here in this uh, definition of sanctification, there's one word that we need to highlight, and this word really does have the power to transform how you grow as an individual, how you get from where you are to where you want to be. That word is process. That's the word that we need to focus on. That's the word that you need to take to heart when it comes to fulfilling God's desire in your life. When it comes to fulfilling your own resolutions, you need to understand that sanctification, that self-improvement in general is a process, not a project. It is a process and not a project. Now, there's a huge difference between those two things. Because a project is something you do, and then it's done, right? It's like part of your checklist. And once you accomplish it, you check it off, and you move on to something totally new and different. A a project is something that you do in a season. It's kind of a one-and-done sort of thing. It's all about results. But a process is quite a bit different. A process is more open-ended. A process has value even if it hasn't been completed yet. See, a project has to be completed before you see the result, before you get the benefit. But a process actually benefits you along the way. Let me give you an example. Let's say you're remodeling your kitchen, right? If you don't complete the remodel project and you don't see any benefit, you're not going to be able to sell your house if you're in the middle of a kitchen remodel, right? You've got to complete the project before you see the results, But a process is different. A process is something you go through and you benefit from it simply by going through the process. Every step you take is a step in the right direction. Every step you take is a step worth celebrating because it's not only about the destination, it's also about the journey. It's not only about where you end up, it's also about the steps that you take in getting to where it is that you want to go. See, we have a project mindset in our life. We have a project mindset. I call it the P90X factor, right? You know what P90X is? That's that's the workout program that a guy named Tony Horton does. And he promises that if you get up every day and you do his 60 to 90 minute workouts, then you will have a body like his in just 90 days. Now, let's ignore the fact that it took him 35 years to get the body that he has. I want it in 90 days, Because I have a project mindset. He has a process mindset. And so he sees results that I'll never see. And he learns to um, accept and embrace and celebrate the process. You know, like I want my training, I want it to be like Rocky. If you remember uh, watching Rocky, when he did all of his training, it was a montage. Do you remember that? Like they played music and he's punching things and he's running up the stairs and it took 30 seconds and he became an awesome boxer. That's what I want for my life. I want the hard work to be a montage. 
I want to pass it by so that I can get to where I want to be. But we have to understand that sanctification, the process of becoming like Jesus, and in fact, almost all self-improvement is not a process. It's not a project, rather. It is a process that we go through. And I'm afraid that we set ourselves up for failure when we approach God's resolution for us or our own resolutions for us as if they were projects rather than a process to go through, to be enjoyed, rather than uh, what God really intends it to be. Let me give you a few more examples to just kind of help you to, to drive this point home in your life. Let's say your resolution this year is to floss every day. That is your resolution for 2017. You are going to, actually, you know what? Let's not use that one. We don't want to choose a resolution that we know we're going to fail at. Come on, let's be honest. You are not going to floss every single day. You'll be good if you floss once a month or once a quarter. If you're a dental hygienist, you have the hardest job in the world. I'm just going to be honest with you because you give such good information to people and nobody listens. So let's not choose flossing because you're not going to do that. Let's choose the most common New Year's resolution. Let's say that you want to lose 20 pounds this year. That's your goal. If you go into that with a project mindset, then you're going to be all about the end result. You know, you're going to say, okay, I want to lose 20 pounds. That's my goal. You're going, to, um, you're going to do all of these things to help you get there. You're going to start counting all of your calories. You're going to weigh yourself every single day. You're going to go buy a pair of pants that you know you're going to fit into, and you're going to look so good once you've dropped those 20 pounds. You're going to do all of those things. But as you and I well know, life tends to get in the way, doesn't it? And so you're going to be in the middle of trying to lose your 20 pounds. That's the project you're doing for 2017. You're going to be in the middle of all of that, and life is going to happen. Things are going to get in your way. It's going to be somebody's birthday, and you're going to have to go out, and boom, there goes the diet, right? You're going to be working out every day. You're going to be eating right for weeks on end. You're going to get on the scale, and you're not going to be dropping any pounds. If you have a project mindset, then you're going to get disappointed, you're going to get discouraged, and you're going to quit before you ever reach the end goal. But if you have a process mindset, then you'll celebrate the fact that you're working out. That's a good step in the right direction. Even if it doesn't show in your waistline, it's still a good thing for you. Even if you don't lose 20 pounds and you only end up losing 11, you'll celebrate that. You won't feel like you failed because you're going through a process, not trying to accomplish a project. Let me give you one more. Let's suppose that your New Year's resolution is to work on your anger. Let's say, you know, it just kind of tends to fly off. You get annoyed at the kids. You tend to lose your temper at work sometimes, and you're like, I need to deal with that. Well, it gets a little more difficult when you go at that with a project mindset. Because how do you really know when you've accomplished that goal, that resolution? How do you know when you've actually overcome your anger issues? What happens if you still get angry every once in a while? Does that mean you've failed at your project? I don't know. Who gets to decide for you when you've reached your goal? Probably your wife. But like if you're not married, I don't know. Who's going to decide, oh, Dan or you, you know, less anger overall. It's harder when we have a project mindset for these um, more intangible things. Now look, if that is true of general self-improvement, it is doubly, triply, infinitely more true of spiritual growth. We cannot approach growing in Christ-likeness as if it were a project. 
Something we just need to get through so we can check it off and say, okay, now I'm like Jesus, let's move on to something else. It is much more involved than that. It is a process, not a project. Philippians chapter number one, verse six says this. Paul's writing and he says, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. What? It took God six days to create the universe and it's gonna take him 80 years to make me into the man that he wants me to be? That's crazy. But it's a process. It's not a project. And if you really read that verse closely, what you find out is that it goes even further than that. Because this verse doesn't say, I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until the day it's finally finished when you die and go to heaven. It doesn't say that. It says, God will continue the good work that he started in you until it's fully finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Whoa! That means that in some mysterious, beautiful, deep way that honestly I don't fully understand yet, the work that God is doing in my heart, the work that's making me more like Jesus on a daily basis is the same work that God is doing throughout the world in the hearts of every single man, woman, boy, and girl, in God's efforts to reconcile all of creation to himself. And I am never going to be like Christ until the end of all things, not just the end of my things. You see, it is a lifelong process. You are never going to be fully like Jesus in this life. You're never going to arrive. It is something that you are going to be working at forever. Now, here's the thing. That might disappoint you, but it shouldn't. It ought to relieve you to know that you are going to be in process, and that's totally fine. Let me give you a few thoughts, and we're going to wrap up this morning. Let me give you a few thoughts about the fact that spiritual growth and really all self-improvement, I'm gonna give you guys a pass. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you're here this morning, then every time I talk about spiritual growth, you can just say self-improvement. That's okay, all right? I'll let you do that. But here's what I'm gonna ask. If you put these principles into uh, practice in your life and you find that you're able to accomplish your goals better, then I want you to come back to the scripture because if God was right about these things, then he may very well be right about those other things as well. I believe that God reveals to us the best kind of life to live. And so whether we're talking about spiritual things, whether we're talking about physical or emotional things, I believe that God's way really is the best way for us. And so let me give you a few thoughts on this. Number one, it is okay to be in process. It is all right to be in process process. Sanctification, this, this growing to become like Jesus, it is a lifelong price, uh, process, not a seasonal project. We look at ourselves and we say, I'm nothing like Jesus, man. I, I, my anger gets the best of me. My jealousy gets the best of me. I, I'm, I have fears. I have doubts. I've got all of these different things. And when I compare my life to Jesus' life, like, I, 
I don't even, I'm not on the same scale as he is. And God says, no kidding. But it's okay that you are still in process. It's okay. In fact, if you ever got to the point where you could look at your life and say, I'm pretty much like Jesus, then you would be full of pride and you would no longer be like Jesus, right? It is impossible for us to become fully like Christ. And if you have a project mindset, that's going to frustrate you. But if you have a process mindset, every day that you become more like Christ, you're going to see the progress and you're going to celebrate those steps that you're taking and you're going to become a better person. You're going to become a more loving husband. You're going to become a more faithful employee. You are going to become the type of person that this world needs because you are okay with the fact that you are still in process. It's okay. It is okay for you to be in process. Some of you have refrained from following Jesus because you know that your life looks nothing like his. Can I just say, one of the things that makes Christianity so compelling and different from every other religion under the sun is that you don't have to look like Jesus. Your life doesn't have to mirror his in order to become one of his followers. Go look at the Gospels. The original 12 guys that followed him around, they screwed up every single day. Their lives were nothing like his, and yet Jesus welcomed them as his followers. Let me say, if you look at your life and you say, man, my life is nothing like Jesus, can I just say welcome to the club? I'm not only the president, I'm also a client. Because none of us really look like Jesus. And saying that is not enough of an excuse to keep us away from following after Jesus. In fact, it's those who look least like him that he invites to follow after him. It's okay for you to be in process. You don't need to complete some sort of spiritual project before you can give your heart and life to Jesus. And I'll also say that if it's okay to be in process, that it should impact the way you treat the people who are around you. See, if God can tolerate your lifetime of sin and failures, if God can tolerate that, then maybe you can tolerate your husband's shortcomings as well because he's in process just like the rest of us. It should impact the way that you treat others. You're welcome, fellas. Now go love your wife better, okay? This is not an excuse to get away with doing nothing. It is okay, though, to be in process. In the church, we need to grab a hold of this. This needs to be our anthem. None of us have arrived. None of us look like Jesus. We are going to let you down. We are going to do things that you think are wrong, and, and they probably are wrong, but that's okay because we're all in process, And it's a process that will never be fully completed, at least not in this life. Let me give you a second thought. It's not about me. It's about Christ in me. These resolutions, this spiritual development, this growth, it it highlights the fact that this life is not about me, but it's about Christ living in me. You see, So many of the resolutions that we make, while they're wonderful and good and healthy, and you should make them, they tend to put the spotlight right on us, right? If I lose weight, it's so that I look good and I feel good while I'm walking down the mall, you know? It's like, yeah, I look good. 
That puts a spotlight on me. But when I understand the process that God is trying to take me through, then I stop doing things that put the spotlight on me, and I start doing things that put the spotlight on Christ in me so that the world sees him and not just me. Let me say this, as wonderful as you are, really and truly, you're great, you're wonderful, I love you, I'm sure lots of people do. What your family needs, what your classroom needs, what your job needs, what your city needs, is not a better version of you. What your city needs, what your husband needs, is a more Christ-like version of you. Let me put it to you like this. What do you think would benefit the city of Calgary more? A guy who worked out to the point that he could make his pecs dance or a guy who would learn to control his road rage? What do you think would benefit our city more? Somebody who fulfilled all the resolutions and they become the person that they wanna be and the spotlight is always on them or people who are committed to becoming more like Jesus every day. You know the answer and so do I. We need to highlight Christ in us through our choices, our self-improvement, and our sanctification. One more thought. God and I both have a role to play in my sanctification. We both have a role to play in this. You see, uh, I don't know, maybe you've never known anybody like this, but I certainly have. Somebody says, hey, Dan, my resolution this year is to lose some weight, need to do it, needs to happen. And I'm like, oh, cool, did you join the gym? Oh, no. Okay. Did you clean out your, your pantry? No. What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to try this and maybe a little bit of that. And you're like, yeah, you're never going to do it, right? You cannot do what you've always done and expect to get some results. You have to change things. And if you sit around and you say, okay, God, I'm praying that you'll make me more like Jesus this year. And then you wait for it to happen. Guess what? It ain't gonna happen. The interesting thing about sanctification, again, sanctification is just growing to become more like Jesus. The interesting thing about that process is that you can't do it on your own and God won't do it on his own. You cannot become more like Jesus on your own through your own effort. But God refuses to just boom, zap you and make you like Jesus. He invites you to cooperate with him so that your life begins to look more like Jesus' life every single day. You have a role to play and God has a role to play. Your job is to become more like Jesus in the choices you make, in the thoughts that you allow yourself to have, in the goals that you set, whatever it might be. And then to trust that God will pick you up at the point that you fail. God and you, God and me, we have a role to play in our sanctification. I want you to accomplish your resolutions, whether they're physical or emotional. Certainly, I hope you set some spiritual resolutions. I want you to accomplish those things. Can I remind you of this first principle? It is a process, not a project. Let yourself grow in Christ, understanding that if you fail, God still loves you. So you can still love you. You can still love the people around you who fail because it is a lifelong journey. And if you'll accept that, if you'll embrace that, 
boy, it'll make achieving and accomplishing what you want in your life a whole lot easier.